You are listening to Mike Seminary and Friends, a Q1 Network production. Gosh, I was really lucky in the majority of my career to have really remarkable mentors. One of them, I learned a very important lesson when it comes to project types. In this case, it happened to be in the civil engineering world, but I have found that this really applies to most types of projects, whether it's in engineering, academics, uh, or whatever it might be. There's a technical type of project, and that typically means the problem is readily identifiable, and anybody that is in the business, the solution is readily available. So it's really a commodity-based type of approach to a problem. And you fight over usually the price. Whoever can do the work and has the lowest bid, that's typically who gets it. And a lot of surveying work, for example, is like that. Then there are collaborative-type projects. And collaborative are, are somewhat similar to technical, where the problem is readily identifiable, but the solution the best solution, not so much. It really takes a collaboration between interested parties to deliver for the project owner the best solution to the problem. And then there's the granddaddy of them all. It's, it's a transformative project type. And transformative means there isn't a problem, but there's an opportunity. And those are the types of projects that over time changed life for all of us as we know it. And today, I'm really lucky to have two participants of an extraordinary team from North Dakota that are pursuing what I'm going to call a kind of a tweener, because it's between collaborative and transformative. And I can't wait to talk about it with my guests this uh, this afternoon. Colleen Fitzgerald, who's the Vice President for Research and Creative Activity at NDSU, North Dakota State University, and a person I've known a long time, a good friend, Leander Russ McDonald, the President of United Tribes Technical College in Bismarck. Welcome to Mike Seminary and friends, Colleen and Russ. I'm so happy that you took time to join me. How are you today? I'm going to start with you, Colleen. How are you? I am great. I am really so excited about the opportunity to be on your podcast and to be here with President McDonald, uh, who I've gotten to know in my short two years, almost two years in the state and and really grown to admire um, and have really enjoyed working with since I got here. Oh, thank you so much. And he's yeah, really special. President Russ, how are you today? Doing well, doing well, Mike. Uh, good to see you and Colleen and uh, glad to be uh, invited to participate in a podcast today and talk a little bit about what's happening here at United Tribes. Well, wonderful. So let me read a couple, uh, let me read a headline so we can use that as kind of the table setting for our discussion. NSF, which is National Science Foundation, which you're somewhat familiar with, Clean, because you have some experience in, in that particular agency. NSF Engine Farms, F-A-R-M-S, partnership partnership group reached semifinal round for groundbreaking grant. And, and I need to read just a little bit more because what I just read probably makes no sense to most folks. So here is, this is from the North Dakota State University, NDSU News, the collaborative partnership is known as the Northern Plains Ag Tech Engine for food systems adapted for resiliency and maximize security or farms. I'm just going to use farms from now on because that just makes it a lot easier for me, Mr. Slow. The primary objective of the farm's proposal is to optimize and leverage the existing agricultural opportunities and the ag tech ecosystem in North Dakota to best address global food challenges. So now you may start 
start to see why I'm saying it's a tweener between collaborative and transformative because global food challenges. The project will work to offset a diminishing agricultural workforce by improving farming efficiencies, maintaining increasing yields, reducing environmental impacts, and enhancing ecosystem services. I'm gonna I'm gonna start with you, Clean, particularly since you've had some experience at um, NSF. Who was the person that decided after the CHIPS Act became law, or maybe even before, because he had a heads up that this might be coming, who led the activity to submit the initial grant? Well, I would say NDSU. Um, we had heard that this was going to be announced that the um, it's a regional innovation engine competition at National Science Foundation, and they had kind of two levels. They had a type one, which was for development of an ecosystem um, and a million dollars for two years. And then they had uh, the big one, the type two, $160 million over a decade. And we, in, in my office, and actually I have to give major you know, props to Sherry Anderson, my associate vice president for strategic research initiatives. Um, and we saw this opportunity and, and ag tech, you know, when you think about the big global industries that we have in North Dakota, you think about the impact, um, the economic impact of agriculture, ag tech just seemed like the kind of thing everyone in the state could get around, but also that we, you know, with Bobcat is essentially a homegrown company, John Deere, global company. We have global brands that people in the rest of the U.S. recognize. So if we've got these global brands, Apario, right, ag tech, uh, uh, Agco, the second largest precision ag company in the world. So we've got these global brands and what can we do with that, with this kind of a you know, big rock opportunity of a lifetime? And you know, that, that would have come up around May, May 2022. So it was quite a while ago. And we had some conversations locally here with Grand Farm, uh, which is a ecosystem initiative around, around ag agriculture and di digital agriculture uh, with the Greater Fargo-Moorhead Economic Development Corporation. Um, you know, the EDC is constantly bringing uh, businesses to me that want to move to North Dakota. Um, we also had the, the chamber at the table. We had um, some people from Deere, some people from Bushel. So you have all these like amazing kinds of things happening in North Dakota. And that was around, you know, at that point, I hadn't been here a full year. But one of the things that seemed to me was that North Dakota really had some of the best kept secrets in the U.S. <laughs> I was attracted to coming to North Dakota. Um, so I was coming from the very tropical climate of Corpus Christi, Texas. Um, I was there for two years. I'd taken a job there after being at National Science Foundation, as you mentioned, kind of as a program officer. And, you know, I, I really was drawn to being able to take, um, you know, my own research. I had worked with Native American language communities to support their language goals. And that was actually part of the program I ran when I was at NSF. But I was really missing not being able to take this sort of unique knowledge of having had in my own work, having had good partnerships with tribal communities and seeing an opportunity in North Dakota where you have five tribal nations, five tribal colleges, and lots of ways you can have good partnerships if you listen. And um, But also I saw there was a lot of stuff fun happening in terms of the innovation economy here. Um, you know, I think cultivate the ag tech conference, the ag tech week we have in Fargo, which happened a few weeks ago, the grand farm is instrumental behind. It's just really exciting. And then later that summer, the good jobs challenge grant that the chamber got in conjunction with its partners. So it's, it was like all these pieces were out there and what we needed was that connective tissue for all of our parts to kind of be more than the sum of it. And Again, ag tech kind of seemed like the space we could get around, everyone could agree upon um, and get excited about. Hmm. That's great information. Uh, Russ, I'm, this wasn't the question I was thinking about asking, but after what Clean just shared, this may be personal. So how do you feel about your strategic partner knowing that she came from tropical 
Texas, up to <laughs> North Dakota, where where it, you, you six months of the year, tropical is like the furthest thing from almost anybody's mind. So, or don't you want to answer that question? <laughs> yeah, well, you you got to <laughs> think about that one for sure. But uh, uh, and we just came. From, we just I was sharing with you earlier that we just made a run down to Nashville, and while we were down there, uh, we drove my wife and I. And, while we were down there, uh, it was 102 degrees in Nashville, 103 and four, and depending on where you were at in town. And then, uh, but the heat index was 110. So maybe it's not so crazy for Colleen to move up this way into a colder region to, uh, to, uh, <laughs> to have a better climate. So I guess it depends on where you live, you know. <laughs> those those guys in that heat, they uh, they stay in the air conditioning down there like we stay in the heat during the winter, you know. So. I, so you really have to adjust to the culture of the community mm-hmm. you're residing in. Um, Russ, yeah. Russ, here's a question I have for you, and I'm I'm sorry I've just interrupted you. Did Did you want to finish something? No, no, no. Okay. Okay. So we've known each other, I guess, about nine years somewhere in that area, and you're the president of one of the most important educational institutions in the state of North Dakota, United Tribes Technical College. It is like NDSU, it's a land grant institution. And you have a very diverse curriculum uh, to serve the needs of your students, including areas that are really appropriate for what we're talking about today, whether it's technology or ag, environmental sciences. What what were some of your first thoughts about the idea? And then being part of this incredible team, we'll talk more about some of the team members here shortly. What were some of your first thoughts about this opportunity? Well, there's a couple of them. Is that one just knowing of Colleen's uh, past background and experience, and um, in regard to language and the recognize and her recognizing the importance of all the languages and 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 how it's intertwined with culture uh, uh, and spirituality for our people. So I, I, you know, I think that we're appreciative of that, and it really ends up being relationship building in whatever we're doing. And so, uh, so when someone comes with a history like that, and, and they have that knowledge where uh, we're interacting with them and don't have to try to teach them those things, I think that just uh, makes them more of a solid partner for us, or, or feel for a solid partner with us. The other, the other uh, part of their team is Holly Mackey, yeah. uh, who works closely with tribal colleges and universities. And her role in the White House Higher Education Initiative, I kind of—it's a long one. It's a long time, yeah. and uh, uh, in that work there, and our interactions with her. But prior to that, I was uh, uh, working with Jacqueline Willette on an advisory committee for one of the grants at NDSU, and knew Holly, uh, Dr. Mackey, from that work, and because um, she also served in that committee. Then she went. Then she went to the White House Initiative under the uh, Biden administration. And so, um, and then was working, was assigned, pretty much assigned to the tribal colleges and universities work. And so, uh, so we got, I got to know her a little bit better in a different, in a different uh, uh, environment. And, um, and then, uh, then she returned back here to NDSU and, uh, and is continuing some of that good work uh, here within our state, uh, which I think is important for us, to, for all of us, when we look at brain drain and other opportunities that are out there. And uh, and the importance of having uh, uh, people that are really um, are um, uh, I, I don't know um, high producers or uh, high energy folks uh, here to help us really push the envelope in regard to what can happen here. And uh, I appreciate uh, Dr. Fitzgerald's comments in regard to uh, recognizing that, and especially in regard to uh, economic development and those engines that are, I think are available here and happening here. And if we can bring all those things together, I think we're, we're on the right track. The, uh, the other piece of that important for us is that we have a strong relationship with the North Dakota University system. And, um, and we have a, a, a sound relationship with North Dakota State University uh, with some of the EPSCOR work and um, uh, which is, uh, which is a partnership that's been with the tribal colleges and, and DSU for quite a few years, and um, and really has built work to reach back at the middle school and high school, and encourage those level students to 
uh, go to undergraduate school and college and to think about careers within within the STEM field. And so uh, science, technology, uh, engineering, and mathematics uh, careers. And so, uh, so we think that uh, uh, we think that's that's been good work. We think that's a, a good foundation, uh, and I, and it's gonna. We're pretty much excited to see where we're gonna go with this one. Mm. That's great information, I, and I couldn't agree with you more. By the way, uh, and can, Mr. President, go ahead, Clean. So I want to just kind of tag off of that. You know, um, President McDonald mentioned Holly Mackey, and Dr. Mackey is pretty amazing. Um, you know, she was when I had I met her, I ran into her at something in September, uh, in tw- September 2022, and knew she was in D.C. and got to know her actually mostly in D.C when I would go for trips. And so when I knew that she was coming back, you know, we had, we had really been struggling, you know, all these engines have to have use inspired research. Uh, They have to have translating innovation into practice and they've got to have workforce development, but they also have to weave um, diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility throughout. And that's, that's a piece that takes work and trustful relationships as president McDonald alluded to. And so when Holly came back and I said, we were working on this, would she be interested? Because we had really not had a, we had a little bit of a piece, but we didn't have a piece. And, you know, I think the fact that, um, you know, Holly was excited about this opportunity and able, again, I think it's the signals of trust that we were listening, trying to think about what would work, um, trying to start from the scratch in, in terms of building those partnerships and got very, very lucky really with Holly returning to NDSU a little earlier than had been, than had been expected. And it was, it was really to the benefit of this project and to see, you know, one of the things that Dr. Dr. Mackey has a ton of experience in doing really, um, meaningful tribal consultations where there's really, you know, people do a lot of listening, but it's not just the listening. It's what you turn into action. Because if you keep um, asking people what you can do better, but you never actually do any of it, um, at some point, people aren't going to talk anymore, right? People really want their listening to have productive consequences. And I think that's something that um, Holly has done very, very well in her prior roles and was certainly doing that kind of work. Uh, I was actually at the Native Language Summit in October and saw uh, how she led and um, so to be able to benefit from us at NDSU, having her back here and um, really just being such an incredible leader and able to work with leaders like President McDonald and President Baker as well. And all the really all the, the North Dakota tribal college system, you know, which is something that's unique in North Dakota um, as you know, than in other places that we have a system for our tribal colleges, just like we have our North Dakota university system. Yeah. Hey, wonderful information. And um I won't dwell on this, but when you made reference to how can we help, and then no action is taken, that that's systematic, I think, in a number of walks of life, particularly politics. So this is really refreshing to hear about how can we help? And then what do we need to do to help and make it make a difference? Uh, th- I, this Again, this is just so darn exciting. $160 million over 10 years. That would that'd put some coffee in the cup, wouldn't it? $160 <laughs> million. I, I need to read one other thing. The NSF's engines program is designed to catalyze and foster innovation ecosystems Throughout the United States, its goals include advancing critical technologies, addressing national societal challenges, cultivating partnerships among industry, academia, government, nonprofits, civil society, and communities of practice, promoting economic growth and job creation, and fostering regional innovation and talent. Engines support use-inspired research translating innovation into practice and workforce development while prioritizing diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. That's kind of repeating what you what you just said, uh, claim, but I'm using it to ask three different questions. And here's my first. 
And I'll have you answer it first clean and then Russ, get your input. H- how did that overview that I just read help formulate the team, the, the partners that are involved? And I won't go through all of them, but, you know, NDSU, United Tribes, UND, Bismarck State College, Grand Farm, the Chambers and others. How did that help influence the participants of this team? Colleen. Yeah, well, I think, you know, one thing I noticed when I moved here was, um, you know, Grand Farm gets people in a room and they're doing, people are really interested. And so I think I'm, I think one of my strengths is, you know, I sort of see where there's momentum, where there's dynamic energy, um, where there's things that could be maybe better aligned. And, um, you know, I think we'd had some good relationships with Grand Farm, Greg Lardy and, and Frank Casey over in Ag had been doing great things with them. But, you know, how, how, how could we better have a better relationship with Grand Farm? And again, EDC was just, I, I was interacting a lot in, in a way. And then I noticed that Grand Farm and the EDC and the Chamber also kind of had some partnerships and NDSU wasn't necessarily always present. Um, so that was sort of one of the things that, that together, again, it's that together we're more than the sum of our parts. Um, you know, as a last summer when the president came, um, you know, we did the tour, the two week tour, and we went to some of the tribal colleges and, but also in that car was Greg Lardy, who's the VP for Ag Affairs at NDSU. And, you know, to really hear him talk about the land grant mission, our shared land grant mission with the five tribal colleges, which are also 1994 land grants. Um, you know, I knew that there was the greenhouse project uh, that NHSC, Nueva Hidatsa Sasanish College and NDSU had partnered on. And so, you know, just sort of thinking, here's all these partnerships we have. You know, how do we how do we make more out of those partnerships? Because, um, you know, what are our unique strengths in, in North Dakota? And I have to say, you know, President McDonald has really, I think, uh, on a couple of occasions just said, you know, I want you to think about not you personally, but I want you to think about what are what are strengths you want to leverage, right? So how do you, um, you know? And I think for us to be thinking at NDSU and in Fargo, you know, how are we making sure everyone in the state is impacted by awesome things, but also how do we learn? How do we, you know, we're we're not coming up with all the answers over here at NDSU. Um, you know, what we're doing is we're also learning things. And um, and I think together we come up with better solutions. We ha- ask different questions. We have different people as scientists. There's, you know, so having a lot of different kinds of perspectives and backgrounds at the table is important. But I also think in when we're talking about um, Native American communities, we're talking about sovereign nations and we're talking about um, um, from time immemorial, knowledge, language, culture, traditions, um, and relationships with the land that, that it's, it's something that, you know, in our Western approaches, we, we don't have those assets. Mm. Thank you for saying that. I'm going to come back to that in a second. Russ, did you want to add on to what Clean shared or add yeah. something else? Yeah, I, I, I was thinking right along the same lines as she was as she was sharing just the uh the recognition of uh we say Uchi Makan uh, my Dakota side is that uh, our grandmother earth and how that uh that then uh the uh there, there's 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 seven seven direction within this kind of life that we're living according to um my Dakota Lakota side is that there's the four cardinal directions there's Uchi Makao, is that where we live on, on this earth that we're walking on, this grandmother earth. And then we have this above us, this, this great spirit. And so, and then so that's six. And the seventh direction is us and what we're what we're meant to do while we're here. And it's 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 uh it doesn't say that we're the center of the universe. It just it says that it the concept says that we're part of this universe and we have a role here to do we have a we have a, a plan for us to 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 fulfill while we're here on this earth and this uh uh the other part that you made me think of is that um in regard to our ceremonies is that when we do our ceremonies we're sitting on the ground uh, a lot of times 
and uh, we'll do those ceremonies that way, and we'll do our prayers that way. Um, uh, and uh, and we're and because we're sitting on the ground, we're closer to Mother Earth, and there's a there's a power there, there's a uh, there's energy there that uh, that we garner from in regard to this this uh, universal perspective for us, and uh, and what helps guide us and direct us in what we're doing. Uh, the other part too, as I want to uh, mention, is that you mentioned the greenhouse that Noida um, uh, Sanish College is building. We're we're also um, we broke ground here last fall on uh, a net zero greenhouse here on campus, and uh, and the Hidatsa Rikra Nation actually supported us to, by giving us a hundred thousand to help towards the construction costs of that greenhouse. So that way, we're really appreciative of that. But when you go net zero, it's just a little bit more spendy than your regular greenhouse. You know, <laughs> it's not like the hoop house. You know, where you can you can get you can probably put together for about ten thousand. It's a, it's much more than that. And so, but but because we're located next to the, uh, we share a fence with the airport right back here. And because of that, every time we want to move, uh, from, we, we needed to move the setback from the street another foot back. And so we had to go back to the airport uh, or FDA guidance and review. And um, and it's just cumbersome, but it delayed our project 45 days at a minimum for them to review our project because of where we're located. But uh, so we're hopeful we can get that work started, but we're just waiting for that review to get done. And our contractors are ready, everybody's ready, but, uh, but until that review is done, we're gonna, we're kind of on hold on that one. Mm -hmm. But it's, uh, but well, from what we understand, it's going to be the first net zero greenhouse built uh, among the tribal colleges and universities. And we don't know if uh, that's been done for other uh, land grants in general. So yeah. it's, uh, it's an interesting concept for moving forward. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, you know, to, again, riff off what the president is saying that, you know, how can NDSU think about our research initiatives in ways that support initiatives like this greenhouse? and this ag energy nexus and net zero. So how can we be strategic about what we invest in, what we what we build our capacity in, so it serves the greater good of say UTTC or another college in the state, right? So, you know, I think we're really thinking a lot about controlled environment agriculture as it's known um, in terms of how we can, again, help build that capacity uh, at our institution in a way that advances the greater good of others in the state. Um, and then again, what can we learn from our partners, right? So what are we gonna be able to learn from this net zero greenhouse? Yeah. And I think that the other part of that is really aligning our, uh, when I was at Chandas Pachik at a community college, I was a vice president of academic affairs. And there we had a natural resources management program and that, that a two year. And, uh, but we aligned that with NDSU's uh, for your program of study. So there was a seamless transfer from Chandeska to NDSU and that they were going in as a full junior uh, when they made that transfer. So there's, uh, we've also done that within the engineering realm um, with, during that same time period uh, with a pre-engineering grant uh, funded through NSF and uh, for the four tribal, four tribal college, United Tribes wasn't in that one, but that was with the NDSU with Dr. Bob uh, Peterty. And, um, and uh, the same thing there is that the first two years are offered at the tribal college level, and then um, uh, in their home communities, and then there was a transfer to Fargo and um, uh, to the four-year program uh, for the areas of uh, engineering that they wanted to go into. Mm -hmm. So I think there's models that we've developed in regard to uh, building, um, uh, assisting students in gaining their uh, their credentials for their preferred program of study, uh, which really, I think, in, if you take it another step further past that, is, uh, 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 which assists uh, the tribal communities in North Dakota, uh, and sometimes out of state for uh, workforce development. That's, a, that's another step to that, which is mm -hmm. necessary for all of us. We hear the governor's statements in regard to uh, jobs that are available here within our state. We, kn we know personally here, on here in our campus, this, you know, that we have several positions that are available that we're not getting applicants for. That's happening within the Bismarck, um, early Morton County areas. And that's happening in the state as well. And it's happening on the home renovations. So we need more people and we need to, and our role, I think as educators to continue to 
do our best to try to uh, meet those needs of our communities. Hmm. The, the general rule of thumb in, let's say, a construction-like project, the owner will be asked, do, do you want it done? Do you want high quality? Do you want low costs? And do you want it done quickly? Well, almost every owner is going to say, I want high quality, I want it cheap, and I want it done quickly. Well, and you just none of that's impossible, right? It's impossible. One of them typically is going to be the focus of the project, either the quality, the time in which it takes to, to complete it, or it's a budgetary consideration, and this is what we want, and here's the amount of money. In this type of a project where it's that collaborative, transformative, hybrid, at least in my opinion, and that's that's how I'm going to continue to look at it. I just think it's so darn exciting, by the way. There are multiple um, pieces that are project-related, whether it's diminishing agricultural workforce, which is a problem here and probably everywhere, improving farming efficiencies, maintaining increasing yields, reducing environmental impacts in the ecosystem, the diversity and the inclusiveness piece, and there are others. Which one should you be blessed to to be the recipient? And I think you're in a good position, frankly. You're down to 34 out of a list of 188. I think that's correct. Which one of those will kind of be the lead for the others? Because it, it kind of has to work that way, unless I'm just nuts, Colleen. I think they all have to work. I have to, I think they have to all be interrelated. And I think if we have an opportunity to transform our state, kind of everybody in each of their siloed components can't be in a silo, right? It has to be integrated. And so one of the things we're doing, you know, not everybody. So, so Dr. Mackey and I have, you know, a history working with tribal communities. Dr. Mackey's known in the state. I'm a less known, but, um, but not everyone on our team does have that experience. So one of the things we're doing is we're going to, um, a group of us are going to go next week and visit, um, the president and his team at UTTC, and then the next day go to Noida Hadatsasanish College. So that, you know, again, I mean, it's very easy to have these Zoom relationships where you're not necessarily engaging in person, but, you know, people, and, you know, it's easy for us here in Fargo to say, come to Fargo, but really it's also going and seeing what other people are doing, where they're at, what their, um, their homes are, their homes are like, or their work is like, um, you know, I was able to be and visit president McDonald, uh, at UTTC, uh, back at the beginning of June and, you know, what a beautiful campus and it's just very pretty and green. So these are, these are the ways we, you know, like eating together, right. And not that we ate, but those are the kinds of ways you build those relationships, right. You get to know each other over a period of time. And, um, and so I think that there's a way in which I think, I think the, you know, there were only three of these, uh, of the 34 semifinals, there were only three of them that really had indigenous components. Um, and, you know, I think, that's something that, that, you know, I think it should, how do we make sure if we're funded, how do we make sure that that piece is, is, um, permeates, but also, um, does it in a way that's not how I would say it would be, but how our partners want to inform it. Um, and I think, you know, maybe that's also a thing that would mean, you know, if, there's more people who in the state who are equipped to have good partnerships with tribal colleges and tribal nations. That's better for our state, right? Because you would have people who you wouldn't, you know, necessarily be starting at a different stage with. They would kind of already be orientated, I guess. I don't know if that's the right way to talk about it, but I think, mm -hmm. um, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I get it. So, Russ, I'm going to ask you kind of the same question, but with a twist. And I understand, Colleen, the importance of all of the components of what's to be addressed in the farms partnership. But the world population right now is about 8 billion. In less than 30 years, it's going to be almost uh, almost 10. So we're adding, what what, what is that? Uh, almost 2 billion people, 1.8 to be exact, 8 billion to 9.8. What it says maintaining increasing yields is obviously going to be pretty important. So from from that perspective, unless I'm all wet on this, that would make sense to me that one of the goals is feeding this population globally, critically important, because not everyone can do that. You know, the United States is in a unique position where, in fact, we're what some people say the breadbasket right here in North Dakota. And that started long before we got here. Our Native American brothers and sisters, the indigenous folks, were were all over this long before we got here. So, Russ, the, would that what I just said in twenty seven years, almost another two billion people, the responsibility of this partnership, this team of addressing all those pieces that we talked about, with maybe how to feed economically a new. Two billion on top of the eight is is that pretty important to you? Well, I, I, yes, and I think that you know when you, um, I think it's important to feed everybody, and uh, and what part part of our cultural piece growing up too is that uh, we'd be sitting around the house and uh, folks would come to visit my 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 folks, and uh, and so they would come and um, and. Part of our culture is to feed folks. And then my dad always said, if you don't have any food, then um, give, you know, give them, give them, give them water and give them something to drink. And, you know, so, the, and I, and, um, and I read some old uh, documents from uh, when the settlers were coming here to North Dakota. And in the settlers, they had a similar, their culture was similar in that way. And this was when I was at UND for a few, uh, a few years back. And, and uh, when I was reading some of this old literature from um, the settler time, and uh, but these are mostly Norwegians up that way. And so the Norwegians would come and they would, they would get to a, a, a homestead and the person would be there. So they would invite them in and they would feed them. Uh, it's a Norwegian cultural attribute. And so, and so, so, and um, but it was important for them because they may have not seen anybody for a couple of months, and they may and these folks that are coming passing by may have news of what's happening out there uh, that they could share with them. So that that was a big piece of that social interaction that occurred, while at the same time expressing the culture of that of the people. So um, so with that, if we have that, if we take that uh, more of a family level community level uh, pers cultural perspective of feeding people globally, then we see the importance of that. Mm -hmm. But we also know is that as communities grow, then what happens is that you need more land for production of those same foods in order to feed everybody that come together to live together within that community, within that camp of our tribal people. And, um, or as these towns grew or camps grew in order to, uh, to, to and, and what happened with the native people, we would move from site to site and we knew where, we knew the land and we knew where uh, the buffalo were at. We knew where the best fishing was at. We knew uh, what grew where. And uh, and then the other part is that it, uh, for, on my Dakota side again, is that we've seen these, um, we always, they always said we're hunters and gatherers. And so that meant that we just lived on berries and meat, you know, and, uh, uh, and, uh, and, and if you look at some of the historical documents is that that's not the case with the Dakotas were also agricultural people because you can't, you're, you're, you're not able to feed a larger camp with just hunting and gathering. You need some other, uh, you need some other uh, food source in order to supplement what you already have. 
And so, um, and and we also see within the historical documents is that the Dakota, the Lakota also raided on agricultural tribes and stole their food in order to supplement what they had. But the main point is that we were we were also agricultural. Yeah. And so, but bringing that, that knowledge, that information back to our people is important because when you look at the historical literature out there is that we're seeing that we're hunters and gatherers. And we need to expand and bring back the cultural knowledge of our people of where we were um, prior to first contact with the European people. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I think there's a there's a piece there that's missing. I think that we need to kind of address as well. And I think that um, uh, um, I think that's important uh, work for going forward and to focus on being culturally knowledgeable of one another. Uh, as a part of our relationship building. And if we do that well, to Dr. Fitzgerald's previous point is that if we do that well, then those relationships will be more sound and and those and those partnerships and collaborations will be stronger uh, for any work that's being proposed through those through those through those mm-hmm. partnerships. You know, Russ, you're one of the kindest, most humble people I've ever had the pleasure of knowing in my life. And I got I had the pleasure of getting to know you in the beginning back in 2014 when you you took over. And, of course, I was mayor at the time, and we had coffee with the mayor a couple times out on the campus. And it was just a wonderful, wonderful experience for me to be able to learn and, and listen. And as I just was listening to you, I was thinking about what Colleen said as we kind of opened up our discussion today that in ways North Dakota is some of the best kept secrets because we don't we don't have this um we don't we're not chess puffers to, you know we don't go out and brag some of the most successful people I know that and but by the way the most of them are ag entrepreneurs and I'm not going to list their names some of them have been on the show with me they they don't talk about what they do they talk about their team they talk about opportunities they never talk about them or, or their businesses and russ you're like that you've never talked about you just talk about the people you love and how you want to make a difference and you're just just such an amazing person let, let me let me ask you this question and i'll go to you clean the this thing comes on the, you get this grant you get the 160 million dollars and other than the coffee you're going to buy right away, you get the $160 million over 10 years. Will there be a project manager yes. that help? Okay. And that's a yet to be determined kind of thing. Yeah. So um, we, so I, I think, you know, one of the important roles Russ mentioned, uh, President McDonald mentioned the EPSCOR um, program. So uh, National Science Foundation has these investments into jurisdictions like North Dakota that don't get tons of federal research dollars. And um, so it's a $20 million grant over five years with $4 million state match. And um, I just com- I completely blanked where I was going with this. Um, Project manager. Okay, so yeah, so we're we're we've kind of had these large cooperative agreements with with um, NSF before, and so NDSU is kind of the back. I think it was just the backbone organization, right? So how can we, you know, basically have the project management office? Um, so there will be an an, an, a, um, an assistant or associate director that will manage the team, the budget team, the administrative coordinator, there will be a chief executive officer. So right now I'm the PI, I'm the interim CEO, but, um, you know, these things are supposed to be nimble. And so we got someone who's worked in industry, worked in tech startups, been an entrepreneur. Um, but you know, NDSU will provide that project management sort of support. Um, and, that, you know, I think the other thing we've been thinking about, and this is Sherry Anderson's idea, is the integration specialists. You know, how do you make sure when you have these large projects, sometimes you get so like focused on the metrics or the whatever that you're not actually um, making sure there's the engagement or interaction or um, interflow of ideas that actually is the sort of thing that drives innovation. Mm. And so it's sort of really also thinking 
you know, like we're going to be doing some of the uh, grunt work because as the backbone organization, right, supporting all these other, there's no one else in the state that I think could hand, handle an, an agreement of that size. But also, um, you know, thinking about how we try really hard to have that woven braid of the relationships of the different pieces of the engine. Hmm. You know, I I looked at uh, the categories of the other submittals, and, and they're all important. But I'm thinking this one may be the most important. And here, and call me selfish, but here's why I say that: while air quality, water quality, technology, all those things are important. If you don't have food, that's a problem. And I I just don't know if there is a more idyllic place on the planet than North Dakota between the partnerships and then all the resource assets that we have between ag, water, natural resources, fossil fuels, that's you know part of fertilizer. All those things are so important. And then our rich heritage long before we ever got here, frankly with uh, uh russell's russ's ancestors so russell russ when i say that when when you look at the art you know the art of a long view uh, over the next so you're going to get this that's just me wishful thinking you're going to get this and it's now a 10-year project timeline H- how do you see your involvement and then this the student population from not just United Tribes, but all five of the tribes, how, how might they play a role to to make this uh, thing work well? Oh, I, I think there's a I think there's a couple things. Is that a lot of times you know when we're writing these grants, is that um, what ha- what happens when we're writing these grants is that we will have there'll be a need section on there, so we write the need section piece of that. And then usually right after that, we'll propose whatever the remedy is, the intervention that we're proposing as a group in order to address what the need is. And then and then there's a there's a personnel section and whether you need the qualifications to do that. And then there's a budgetary section where you say this is how much it's going to cost. So those are the kind of the primary pieces of a, of a grant. And I think that's probably an introduction at the beginning of it, because I always remember five for, you know, for the most part. And uh, so we see that in there and we propose what we're going to do within that. And I think uh, what's happening here is that uh, in regard to making some of the, the cut points here for the uh, for the, uh, the opportunity is that uh, in the ESU uh, carrying the heavy load in regard to writing the proposal and uh, and having that experience in the past of garnering these larger awards is uh, really doing well in regard to sharing uh, what possibilities are here and then bringing in the partners that are necessary in order to support that proposal and moving it forward. Mm-hmm. So in the event that it's awarded and we and we get to that to the last piece where uh, we actually get some dollars out of this work, uh, then um, then what happens then is that we're able to use those funds and actually have funds available, maybe in a form of positions to help us enhance what's already happening happening in some cases but we're just doing this work as part of our regular missions but but when we actually carve out we we garner some extra resources in the form of funding to say hey we're going to have a department within each of these partners each of these partner colleges or partners organizations to come together and um, do this work collaboratively for us to move us forward and to have that funding for 10 years then potentially what can happen is over the course of a decade then uh, we've enhanced those relationships we've enhanced the the capacity of all of all those involved and as a result of our networks throughout the state of North Dakota we've enhanced what's happening within the state and so that's I that's what I see as the potential for this moving forward is that uh, for all those that are uh, partners within within this work, uh, we would be able to to push these things for further and farther and in an expedited manner. Russ, let me ask you this question, and I'll come back to you as well, Clean. With, with every significant opportunity, and this clearly is one. You know, this is 
potentially a game changer. It, it really is because of the importance of the needs and then the impacts of the outcome, frankly. With every opportunity, there are always challenges. What, what do you think one of one of the main challenges might be should you be awarded this and then rolling out? What do you think one of those challenges might be? I think for us as a as a one of the partners in a smaller college, I think we're um, I think our main issue would be finding the right persons for the positions that we would have. Um, I think that uh, there's I think we have excellent staff um, and uh, faculty on board here now, and it would we either uh, have to steal from one of our other one of our areas for this work. And then hire into those other areas or something along those lines that really kind of uh i don't want to say manipulate but to maybe strategize how uh, our current workforce could be could do the work and then because sometimes it's easier to fill a faculty it's easier to take a faculty position and move them over into uh service work or uh administrative work um, because they, because you see that potential there, you see that initiative there, that drive there, that allows that that, that uh, for that potential uh, employee to move to that another mm -hmm. level of work, and then it's easier to find a faculty in order to uh, for, to teach those courses uh, rather than bringing in somebody from the outside. On the other hand, you throw the job out there, you luck out, you get somebody that's got the credentials you need, and credentials and experience you need in order to do the work then 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 uh because that happens as well oh, the other part the, the other part that I'm, that we're that we're experiencing and I, and I, I maybe this is not an issue for NDSU but as a smaller college we don't we're not able to pay as well as NDSU and so uh because of our, our budgetary constraints and so um so the additional resources would have maybe help us to move that move that up a little bit and maybe uh, be more competitive in regard to uh, who's hired into those positions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Pauline? So I think maybe the biggest opportunity here is for us to think about, you know, listening to the challenge of workforce that we're hearing in UTTC, if, you know, how do we move people around? And I think we have similar things. I think, how do we take this opportunity and leverage it into several different things that actually have a big strat picture strategy of addressing workforce issues at our universities and colleges in the state. How do we do grow your owns, right? So are there, for example, ways that we can maybe reach out to UTTC alum who went on and got a master's and bring them back and maybe they go through a doctoral program at NDSU while they're teaching at UTTC? I mean, I think one of the things that President McDonald was really has been interested in is you know, having ex like we have exchanges kind of written into the grant where we're maybe our graduate students are teaching, we're mentoring them. But, you know, we also need them to be mentored. If they're not coming from a tribal college background, they need to be mentored for that. Right. How how are they you know, understanding where tribal college students are coming from, what their lives are like? If they're not coming from that background, then that's something they're going to have to really be prepared to do. So how do we partner together so that we're really making sure um, our educational workforce, our research workforce is there at all our institutions? Because we 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 also struggle with meeting the, uh, I think, salary expectations of other, other institutions elsewhere in the U.S. So we're all kind of competing. So I think it's, you know, how do we find some creative ways? Because I, I will tell you, one thing, there's a couple of things that I think are similar from Texas and North Dakota. One thing is I, I learned, because I was in Texas for 19 years, and Texans always want to come back to Texas. And I have this sense that North Dakotans always want to come back to North Dakota when we're funded. Because I did learn when I came here for the football championship at NDSU, you don't say if we win, you should say when we win. So when we're funded, I'm going to follow that line on the grant. Um you know, it is going to be the opportunity. It's going to be a game changer. It's going to be the opportunity of a lifetime for our state. And we want, if people are going to want to come here, 
And they're going to find out all these things that they didn't even know existed. We have the what the second largest Microsoft campus in the world, in in the state. Um, so we want to be able to make the most of this opportunity for our benefit, for all of the institutions, all of the partners, and even the ones that aren't partners right now. Because one of the things about the engine, the farms, is you're going to be recruiting new new partners, new projects, and the research projects you have today may not be the ones you have. They're sure probably not the ones you have in 10 years. And so really having those pipeline, the pathways into the engine, because the goal is that in 10 years, you're not getting any more money from NSF on this. It's self-sustaining. And part of it, ha- for it to be self-sustaining, the educational workforce, we have to be planning for that. And I think, you know, because President McDonald is really great at telling, you know, here's the things that have worked and here's some things that we think would be good for us. You know, that that's helpful, right? You, when you have a partner saying, these are the things that work, these are things that don't work, these are the needs we have, these are the strengths we have, you know, you're like, okay, yeah, that's good. I, I know what I can kind of go back to the drawing board on. And I think the more we're able to, you know, bring people at NDSU, you know, UND is also a partner, Bismarck State College is a partner, Wapaton, North Dakota uh, State College of Science is a partner. So the more we're able to sort of think about what our own state network is and cultivate that, I think that's the kind of thing that's going to work well for everyone. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's like, a, it's like you're like the core is there, you, you know, yeah. the core is there and then we're, yeah. we're, we're pulling, we're going to pull in other folks, yeah. uh, groups, in order to, to, to build upon that core that's already established. Yeah. Or, or, or our foundations have been built, now we're building the walls. Yeah. Well, yeah. Second, I, I mean, I, I, I say the state didn't ask us to do the farms ag tech engine, but whenever we tell people about it, they're like, this is the right thing for our state. And that support we got from the state, you know, uh, Governor Burgum, his chief of staff, Jace Beeler's on our governing board. President McDonald is on the governing board. Uh, Josh Tigan, our commerce commissioner on the governing board. They're Senator Patton in Watford City governing board. We have an all of state approach because this is the right, like everyone, you know, wow, of course we should have done this before, but it's this constellation of all the different people um, that's making a, and how we're kind of operating at this stage that's making us, I think, so viable. Um, there were a lot of ag proposals that went in and there were only two that made it to the semifinals. Well, I think this is just so exciting. The, uh, you know, the purposes of chips in terms of, I'm going to paraphrase it is making sure the United States remains globally competitive in, in all things technology, which is something that changes two times over since we started this conversation, by the way, that's how rapidly it happens. And then when you add food and and inclusion and diversity and all of the pieces, this is a big deal. And it has the potential to change the trajectory, frankly, uh, of North Dakota and the players. So I'm excited for, for you and all the partners. I'm excited for the state I got my fingers crossed, and as a longtime Bison fan, I'm sorry to say that in your presence, President McDonald, since you went to UND. Uh, <laughs> I, by the way, I never went to a class at NDSU, but I'm just a, a Bison fan. So this is, this is a big, big deal. Ross, I've got to go to you. And, and by the way, both of you, please forgive me if I didn't refer to you by your titles, because I, I, I just like to refer to people by their first name when I can. So I appreciate you allowing me to do that. Russ, you've got the 53rd annual United Tribes Technical College powwow coming up. This is a big, big deal. It's important, not just for United Tribes. It's important for Bismarck and in the entire state. It's coming up September 8th through the 10th. And I know you're you're all working really aggressively on the planning for that. Is there, are there some things you can share right now with regards to the upcoming 53rd international powwow? Yeah, well, you know, the dates are uh, set for uh, as, as as normal or as usual for us. It's uh, starting the Tuesday after uh, Labor Day. Uh, so the 5th through the 7th is uh, is is the uh, United Tribes Tribal Leaders Summit. And then uh, the Powell itself is the 8th through the 10th. Uh, we have uh, uh, the Powell is uh, called the United Tribes International Powell. 
and is one of the top 10 powers in the nation. And uh, uh, in regard to the Tribal Leaders Summit, we partnered with the Great Plains Tribal uh, Leaders uh, Association. And uh, we've gotten gotten great, uh, this started last year, we've gotten great participation from them. We've seen quite a bit of tribal leaders up from the South Dakota, from Great Plains region, uh, South Dakota, Nebraska, and Iowa. Uh, attend last year, and that partnership continues this year. So we're uh, welcoming the, those tribal leaders up from there. And so when that when that group came up here, and there's a meeting that they have a quarterly meeting that they that they've had last year and uh, this year, and uh, along with them, uh, programs from their respective nations uh, come to Bismarck as well. So we've looked at some of the numbers on this uh, in regard to analysis. We're still around uh, looking at about 4 million economic impact on the city uh, for that time. So uh, we fill up all the hotels, people shop here. It's kind of school shopping, maybe, I don't know. And uh, they eat here um, and uh, it's just been a great event. Uh, and uh, we believe it's the largest cultural uh, event held within Bismarck, you know, for, uh, since its inception. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's really quite a, spectacular event if you haven't been to apollo and if you haven't been to this one you you clearly should go again that's september 8th through the 10th tribal leader summit is prior to that but it and so monitor uttc.org no am i right when i say that yeah edu for for more information well as we're kind of wrapping it up i'm just like a kid at a candy store because I love technology. I love to eat too, by the way. So I'll go to you first, Russ. Is there anything else you want to add with regards to this incredible opportunity in front of you and, and all of us, really, for the National Science Foundation NSF Farms Partnership Group grant proposal that you have in? Well, I, I'm, I, what I'm thinking, uh, what I've been thinking as uh, uh, throughout the, today's discussion is the land-grant status of both of our institutions, uh, we have a sustainable ag program, a study. Uh, we, we're doing some research and uh, development in regard to our uh, STEM areas. Uh, excuse me, sorry. And uh, and and what I'm and what I'm hopeful happens and is while well, it's happening, but it continues to happen at a, a more enhanced level, is the uh, is the scholarly activity. So if we're conducting research. And this is so important for our faculty. And we know what's happening at the at our research institutions here in North Dakota. But, if, but and it's also happening at our tribal colleges and universities here within the state. But scholarly activity, and if we're doing research, then uh, then that uh, the familiarity or the knowledge of innovative practices that are occurring um, out there globally is found within a literature search when we write our papers. So we do the research, we write our, we, we review the literature, we do the uh, analysis, and uh, we write the, we write the uh, paper, hopefully to a peer-reviewed journal article. And as a result of that, the faculty that are writing those papers become more knowledgeable in the research that they're conducting. Hmm. And then in the classroom, what happens is that knowledge is then uh, uh, provided to the students who are within those classrooms. And so it raises the level of the courses. So if we can continue to do that work at our tribal colleges and, and, and do that work at an enhanced level, then that will uh, better train the students that are participating and going to school with us at our colleges. Uh -huh. And I think that's so important for us uh, at the tribal college level as we prepare those students to transfer to uh, UND and NDSU and graduate programs in order to advance their their mm -hmm. uh, academic careers. Thank you, Ross. Colleen, anything else you want to add? I think it's an opportunity of a lifetime. And I, I think I'm really struck by President McDonald's final comments. You know, it's the human, it's the human potential and making sure that the human potential in our state, wherever it is, and whatever it wants to, that potential could become, that we create those pathways and opportunities to make it happen. Um, it's all about the people. Yeah. Well, Wayne and Russ, thank you so much for blessing me with your time today. I know you're both awfully busy. 
And this is just on top of that. You're busy already, and now you're pursuing this uh, combination of uh, a collaborative, transformative project type that is a game changer. Appreciate you. Appreciate what you're doing. And I'm looking. I can't wait to hear the next news that with regard to this grant. I'll keep my fingers crossed. And uh, I'll be out for the powwow this year, Russ. It's good to see both of you. Thanks so much for joining me. You take good care. Thank you. You too. See you.